Go to ufowarning.com. Ufowarning.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, there was a vehicle and there was an occupant. Hmm. Now we've talked a few times on this podcast about a documentary series put out by the New York Post called The Basement Office. It's hosted by Nick Pope and Stephen Greenstreet. And I've talked about a few of the episodes on the podcast. And if you've been listening, you know that, of course, I'm a big fan of the show. Now, in a recent episode titled The Basement Office Extended Interview... It presented a couple of extraordinary claims. So the individual being interviewed was Tim McMillan. He's an investigative reporter and an author of a recent Popular Mechanics article on the Pentagon UFOs program. I'll just point out that you can watch this video at uh, the website ufowarning.com. It's ufowarning.com. And you can also link uh, to Tim's article there. It's a very long, uh, very thorough article about ATIP and, and several other subjects. And uh, it's a good read. Now, there were two major bombshells dropped in this short 10-and-a-half-minute video from my perspective. Maybe maybe three or four. I guess it depends on how you count them. But they come near the end of the interview. And the focus of the interview revolves around the notion of back engineering and alien spacecraft and what the government would need, would need to even attempt such a feat. Now, McMillan puts forth the idea that if such a craft did exist that the feds might just put them in deep storage and, and bring them out every decade or so to see you know, if human knowledge and technology had caught up enough to be up to the job. Now, a lot of people have it compared to um, humans coming across alien technology. would be like if a, a nuclear submarine showed up you know, off the coast of, uh, of an island back, say, in in uh, the Middle Ages somewhere, and a bunch of islanders discovered it. Or, or if, I think, as Greenstreet pointed out, what would happen if some, you know, uh, if, if somebody if somebody presented the Revolutionary Army with a tank? and you, what, would, what would they do with it? They would even have, not only would they lack a lot of the uh, knowledge of physics to understand what was going on, but they wouldn't have the material science knowledge to, to probably even operate the thing. It would take a long time to get up to speed. And that's kind of the thought that they were expressing here in this interview uh, when it comes to back engineering uh, alien technology. Now, many UFO investigators believe this is exactly what has been happening, though. And many of those same investigators believe the government could easily use a labyrinth of defense contractors to do uh, just that. And to do it outside the prying eyes of uh, FOIA utilizing UFO sleuths. I mean, you've got the government, you've got this big deep state apparatus, as many people call it. And uh, what would prevent them from, if they had said UFO, from hiding it in a deep underground base somewhere where, where nobody would even know that they had it. In fact, a fair number of people believe this was just the sort of operation that Bob Lazar was part of. 
these periodic attempts at UFO back in, back engineering would would account for quite a few of the unexplained sightings if taken in the right context. So you you kind of see what's going on here. A lot of people that have investigated this thing take the idea that maybe uh, one of these or more than one of these spacecraft has been uh, come into has come into the possession of the government and possibly some of these UFO sightings that we spot is just the deep state re-engineering what was found 40 or 50 years ago. Who knows? Now, from what I can see, this scheme is reminiscent of the Ben Rich narrative. You remember Ben Rich? Now, in a recent podcast, we talked about Ben Rich and his role in the famous Skunk Works operation. And you'll probably remember that we talked about how Rich literally had to re-educate his engineers in order to bring them up to speed to the point where they could create that first stealth aircraft, the F-117 Nighthawk. Remember how Rich had recounted that he, even though he had these engineers working for him, and these guys, I mean, most of them I'm sure had master's and PhD's degrees, but they still weren't at the level they needed to be to build this first stealth aircraft. Now some people think, well, did Skunk Works create the, uh, the, the, the physical, the, the knowledge of physics and the material science to, to build this thing, or did they get that knowledge from somewhere else? This generational improvement in the field of physics and material science has led some to believe actually that alien technology and input may have been involved. And we've heard that over and over again. It's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg. And a lot of people have thought for a long time that Skunk Works, you know, having started back, what, in the early 40s there, just before World War II, maybe they got their boost out of that very first back-engineered technology. But after listening to... Tim McMillan talked today. From what he describes, it, it seems it seems less likely than more likely. And getting back to the two big reveals, McMillan, the first <clears throat> the first thing that he says that really caught my attention was at about six minutes and forty five seconds into this interview, and I've got it written down here what he said. And I have to tell you that as he's being interviewed, he gets a little bit stumbly in his speech. You can just look at the guy's face, and you can see that he's had a conversation with this older gentleman who was a former uh, intelligence person or maybe some kind of a high-level engineer. And I can look at McMillan, and he's not giving you a bunch of BS. This guy is just being as honest with you as he can as he can be. Everything I see is somebody who he talks about. He came into this whole thing just being kind of a doubter about the whole UFO phenomenon. It was in his mind that everything was that people were seeing was some sort of high-level secret uh, operation. That's what I took from that. But the deeper he got into it, the more that he realized that the stuff that was being reported and videoed and whatever was so profound that it was beyond the capacity of humans to manufacture. And then he had he he had this truth that he had kind of come upon himself. But it was also revealed to him by at least apparently one source who just straight up told him, no, we couldn't, we couldn't make this thing. And he, st- and he starts out here and he says, I was told, told by somebody during all of this who a very older gener- gentleman who has been around the game for a very long time. And when I said the game, 
I mean, I mean intelligence aerospace games. So obviously he's talking about he's his source. Of course, Tim is a, an investigative reporter, and he's found some older gentleman who's been in government work and intelligence for probably 40, 50, 60 years, whatever, and it sounds like this old guy just kind of laid it out there to him. He says, And when I said the game, I mean, I mean the intelligence aerospace game. And he told me an intriguing story. And, and that was uh, exactly what we just described. Now, they were talking about the back engineering and how difficult that would be. And that's kind of what, the, what this whole uh, interview had revolved about was, well, even if we did have a spacecraft, what can we do with it? It would be like dumping off you know, a stealth fighter in colonial uh, America. What would they do with it if they had one? He says, first thing I thought was interesting, he said, listen, man, 70% of what you've heard about Roswell, or a lot of this stuff coming out in the 80s, is total bullshit. 30% true. And he said, uh, you know, quote, there was a vehicle with an occupant. Those were his exact words. Uh, and it was intriguing. I get where he said, and it makes a lot of damn sense, was that everybody's always looking at the CIA, the Air Force, all of these people. They forgot about the Atomic Energy Commission, which was founded in July or January of 1947, so right before Roswell. So basically, this guy and him are having a conversation about Roswell, it sounds like, and the old guy just tells him, there was a vehicle, and there was an occupant. Now, to me, that is like, wow, you know. I, I, it, if you watch the interview with McMillan, he just seems so totally sincere. It's like you can tell this guy's an investigative reporter, but somebody has just laid this giant truth bomb on him. And it's completely shifted his paradigm. It's the way he views the world. He, you know, Earlier in, in the interview, he's talking about how he kind of came into this whole thing thinking that uh, these things weren't extraterrestrial. This is something that's you know, been manufactured by uh, top secret military stuff. But the more you get into it, the more you find that it's so advanced that it's not possible to be made with anything that we have on the planet today. Now he says, here he goes on, and McMillan goes on to explain that the Atomic Energy Commission was a civilian organization and all of their information was or is proprietary. And he says, uh, he goes on to say that whatever it was at Roswell was stored by them. The first priority would be to figure out how to power it, how to run it, and the Department of Energy would be the obvious department to assign to that task. You know, I would add, it also eliminates a FOIA problem. So, what McMillan's saying here is, from his perspective, you've got this, you have this craft from Roswell in 1947, and the old guy is saying to him, well, it wasn't the CIA that, that took possession of it, it wasn't the Air Force that took possession of it. You know, you have to figure out how to power this thing. And the most advanced source of power that we know about is uh, atomic energy. So it made sense to them to let the Atomic Energy Commission take possession of the craft to try to figure out what was going on with it. And then he says McMillan goes on to report that he was told that they weren't, fly <clears throat> that they weren't flying saucers, they weren't Tic Tacs, that they were something that possessed the ability to kind of make your mind see what makes sense to you. And that's the second thing the old guy told him. The first thing that the old guy told him was that there was a vehicle 
and there was an occupant. That's bombshell number one. Bombshell number two is they weren't flying saucers. They weren't Tic Tacs. That they were something that had the ability to make your mind see what makes sense to you. Now, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, that so many of these UFOs seem to be shapeshifters. Two people sometimes have been reported looking at something, and both of them seen something different. I know from my own personal experience. A lot of times, I think people see UFOs, or who knows what, they're off in the distance, you know, the, you know, you see a light moving across the sky, or something that looks like it might be like a uh, high-tech top secret type aircraft, but I think when people have those uh, UFO encounters, the situations where the craft is within 10 or 20 feet, a lot of those times I think that it's such an overwhelming experience that somehow that thing projects on you the image that allows you to perceive it. And I'm not even sure two people standing next to each other would see the same thing. And many, many times we'll hear about UFOs appearing in group situations where maybe a, a, you know a, a given number of people will see the craft and other people that that are right there will not see it. So there's some sort of interface going on here between the craft itself, if you can call it that, or the phenomena and the observer. And we've talked about that before, the observer effect. And this is what this source to Macmillan corroborates. People are experiencing this observer effect with the UFO. So whatever's happening is something far beyond what we would think of as, as a classical physics. It could even, I don't think it could even be approached with the normal Newtonian physics. This, this stuff is so advanced. I mean, it, we have to have a whole different way of looking at it. Now, Macmillan points out also that the craft was, this is according to the source, the craft was beyond human comprehensions in all facets. This is, according to his source, it was beyond comprehension in all facets, and that includes cognitive, engineering, and materials, and energy. So in other words, we couldn't even look at the thing and figure out how it ran. As far as any uh, mechanical relationship between the parts or anything that was in the craft, they weren't able to figure that out. The materials that it was made out of, they had no idea. This is not Earth. So whatever whatever that was that they found at Roswell, they couldn't even understand the materials the thing was made out of. And they certainly couldn't understand the energy that propelled it. They said they wholly could not understand it. So as a result, the craft was stored with the Atomic Energy Commission until that entity was shut down by President Carter in 1979. Now, according to him, after that, it was moved to a private aerospace contractor who remained nameless. Now, Macmillan points to the Department of Energy as possibly holding information on the Roswell craft. And he also points out they're a very powerful and insular nature. He basically said, listen, if they, got, if they have information about this thing, you're not going to find it. And he talked about how uh, any of the major decisions made, you know, as far as the defense or military or this or that, at the, even at the presidential executive level that the Department of Energy was involved in. So it, it's kind of fascinating to me. I didn't realize this, but apparently this Department of Energy 
is a real uh, source of power, a real focal point. And you know, we see this over and over again in these stories where these deep state operatives are pulling the strings, and we don't even know where they're located at. Now, the question I have is, what do we conclude from McMillan's reporting? Well, the DOD or some government contractor under its control may now be in the possession of a shape-shifting craft and its occupant that's now beyond our human capability to understand. Think about that. I mean, I'm listening to this interview. I'm watching this Tim McMillan. He seems very sincere. I've read some of his work. He's knowledgeable. He's thorough. He tells me that he's talked to a source, a very older gentleman, guy that would be in the know. He's, he's double-checked everything he can. And after all that, after all that research, what are we what are we to conclude? What does it look like is the most likely thing to be here as far as Roswell is concerned? Well, as far as we can see, from what he's told us, there was a craft, there was an occupant that our scientists, our top scientists, even today cannot understand anything about it. They have no idea how the thing works, how it got here, what it's made of. Or how to power it. So what did they do? They put it in deep storage where nobody else could get their hands on it. And who has it now? Well, probably some very trusted government contractor. And what are your chances of finding anything out about it? Zero. (laughs) Wow. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Visit UFOWarning.com ufowarning.com